Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship. And as always, an extra special welcome to our family and friends joining us from across the country and around the world. As well as our Minister Katrina, this morning we'll also hear the voices of Katrina H., Lizzie and Petrie, Paul F., and Stuart and Pirio, who will be leading us in the Lord's Prayer, first in Nepali and then in English. Our musicians this morning are Paul, Neil on trumpet, and Yang Yang on violin. And very shortly, Nikan and Nikia will be lighting our candle, and we are invited to light a candle of our own at the same time, if we'd like to do that. And then just a wee reminder that we celebrate communion uh, during this service, so if you've forgotten to get something to eat and drink, uh, you've got time to do that now. And then uh, just a reminder for the trustees that there will be a short trustees meeting immediately after this service. So when the breakout rooms close, if you could just wait in the main room, uh, we'll begin our meeting as soon as possible. Then at 7pm, evening worship will be led by our old friend, the Reverend Cathy Galloway. And this will be a meditation on the theme of creation. Uh, you should have got an extra email from me yesterday with your copy of the new edition of The Key. In it, you'll find information uh, about two important uh, things, how to donate to Christian Aid Week using our Just Giving page that Katrina has set up for us, and also a reminder of how to use the Doodle poll if you'd like to meet up uh, in a small group with Katrina and some others outdoors, either on a Sunday afternoon or a Wednesday evening. If you're not confident about using a doodle poll, just contact Katrina directly and she'll add you into the date of your choice. Next Sunday morning at 11am, Katrina will lead morning worship and in the evening at 7pm, the Reverend Liz Johnson-Blythe from Wellington Church will lead our joint evening service. But now it's over to the Super Karami family to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
We have lit a candle, asking that we may have the light of Christ to guide our way. We have sung a hymn, asking that the Spirit of God will meet with us in this time of gathering. And so now we open our hearts and minds to God in prayers of adoration, thanksgiving and confession. Let's pray together. Holy God, mysterious beyond our understanding, we are drawn to wonder as we catch glimpses of your activity in the everyday rhythms of life. Gentle God, always closer than our own breathing, we marvel at the intimacy that you offer us as our parent, lover and friend. Compassionate God, healing those whose hearts are broken, we come to you, delighting in the welcome you offer. Generous God, who provides air to breathe, water to refresh, and food to nourish, we thank you for the basics that make our lives possible. Artistic God, who colours the flowers and composes the song of the birds, we thank you for the endless variety of the natural world. Ingenious God, who gifts humans with intellect, skill and curiosity, we thank you for the abilities and interests we each enjoy. Just God, who weeps over injustice. We are sorry for the times that we have been selfish or self-centred. Peaceful God, who yearns for an end to conflict. We are sorry for the unkind thoughts, words and actions that mar our humanity. Forgiving God, whose one desire is to redeem and renew all things. We open our hearts and minds to you so that you may restore and rehumanize us. Holy, gentle, compassionate God, always generous, artistic, ingenious. We pray for justice, peace and forgiveness so that we, with all creation, may truly worship you. Amen. Hey, Hamra Pita, Joswarga Mavos Nunsa, Tapaiko Nal Pabitrahos, Tapaiko Rata Aus. Tapaiko Icha, Swarga Majostuta, Teste Espritima Purahos. Hamilai Aja Hamra Dainik Bojan Dinos. Hamra Aparad Chama Gornos. Josri Hamile Pani Afna Aparadi Harulai Chama Gore Kachau. Hamilai 
parita ma parna nadinos, tradus bata tutaunos, kinabane raja, parakram, ramahima, sada sardwa tapaikehun. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. week across the UK and especially here in Scotland elections are taking place. The circumstances we find ourselves in this year are at best unusual and I'm, I'm very much aware that more people than ever will probably have chosen to exercise a postal vote. I certainly did this time and that has an impact on what kind of reflections are appropriate in the week leading up to the election because many, maybe most of us, have already made up our minds. Over the years I have been at Hellhead, we've reflected in anticipation of and or in response to several elections and a couple of referendums. And I think it's fair to say that's been challenging for all of us. 
we share some core values about what is helpful and healthy for that society. But how we think that might best be achieved is as diverse as we are. And that risks inadvertently hurting people or being hurt by people. Saying things that accidentally cause more harm than help. And I know that's happened at times over the past. So I'm not going to repeat any of the messages or ideas from the past, even though I think the core of them remains valid. Instead, we're each going to do our own bit of work as we identify things that matter to us and seek to bring those into dialogue with the scriptures. And again, there are a lot of different ways we could do that. And there are some people who love nothing better than a, a good discussion, who would find small groups the best way to deal with this. And there are others who will be absolutely horrified at the thought of that. So on balance, I've decided not to do the small group option, but rather twice during the course of this morning's service, we're going to have an opportunity to reflect privately with some music playing each time. And in order to give us enough space to do the reflecting, it takes a while often to get into it. Um, we're going to play each piece of music twice. Um, so don't feel you've got to wind up your discussions if the music seems to be coming to an end because it will probably get repeated. And if you don't need all the time, that's fine. Um, you can doodle or write your shopping list or whatever's helpful for you. Some people find it really helpful to jot things down. Some people don't. So that was why I suggested um, that it might be helpful to bring along a bit of paper and something to draw or scribble with. So if you find it helpful to use words or mind maps, to draw pictures, to write poems, to doodle, whatever that, feel free to do so. In this first reflection, we're going to take a couple of minutes to think about one or other or both of two questions, which I'm going to try and pop into the chat, but I'm also going to read them to you. You can't reply to the chat. We have it set up um, so that you can't comment on, on or reply to what I've sent out. But it looks like it's going to work that I can pop these questions up in a minute. So a couple of questions and you're invited to ponder one other or both of them. The first one is this. As I think about the world and our society, what are the themes and topics that matter to me? As I think about the world and our society, what are the themes and topics that matter to me? And the second option is, what are the current issues and interests that matter to me as I cho choose or chose how to vote this week? So what are the issues and interests that matter to me as I choose or chose how to vote this week. So a couple of minutes to reflect on that and the word, those questions should appear in the chat as well.
Our first reading this morning is from Psalm 22. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. To him, indeed, shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. The next reading is from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. The next reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 31. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. 
If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed that the, the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. And our final reading is from John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples.
one of the many challenges faced by preachers each week is which scriptures do I choose and through which lens do I view them? For a thematic sermon study or reflection, it's really easy to go with our own favourite passages that fit very neatly with ideas that we want to explore. And I've certainly got my go-to passages for engaging with some of the topics that would at least be small p, political, and as we approach political elections. Often, though, it's fruitful to do something a little bit less obvious and to approach the readings using a published scheme such as electionary and to try to view those readings through the lens of the theme or topic that's emerged for us. It's sometimes referred to almost as contextual Bible study. What is the context in which I read this passage and how does that inform the way I hear it? I just want to give a quick plug for a couple of podcasts before I, I move on. Um, one of them is called Politics in the Pulpit, which is a relatively new podcast done by the Joint Public Issues team. And our very own Reverend Dr. Ian Birch um, was one of the first people to be interviewed on it, talking about some of the scriptures from a couple of weeks ago. Definitely worth a listen. And I'm slightly biased because uh, the person who's hosting it happens to be a friend of mine as well. And there's also an Australian lectionary-based podcast called By the Well. I can't do the accent because it always sounds like By the Well when they introduce it. But it, it's, again, it's very interesting. These are very thoughtful biblical scholars inviting us to look through lectionary readings through the lens of themes that are relevant to the week for which those scriptures are set. So today we heard the four readings from the Revised Common Lectionary set for today. A psalm, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, part of 1 John speaking about love, and then the beautiful vine imagery from John 15. And so for the next couple of minutes, I'm going to invite you to ex try to explore how to make connections between what you thought of as significant topics and anything in those readings. And the, I've popped a couple of questions in the chat. Now, they may have typos because I had to type them in because I realised I'd closed the file and it was too much for faff to reopen it. But these are the two questions. As I ponder these scriptures, what connection can I make between one or more of them and the themes or topics I identified? So what connections can I make between the scriptures and the themes or topics I identified? Or how might one or more of these passages speak to me as I make my voting choice, whether that's this week or in the future? So again, a couple of minutes and some music, which will be played once or twice as we do that. Thanks, Paul.
I always say when I speak into this kind of a service, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. That's not my job. It's not my job to tell you to vote for party A or not to vote for party B. Rather, my job is to invite each of us to bring into a conversation with God and with scripture as as revealed as God sorry, and and with God as revealed to us in Jesus the values that matter to us as we try to live out our faith there certainly are people of faith who align with almost if not all party affiliations whether that is being those who who deliver leaflets, whether it's those who stand as local councillors, whether it's those who campaign, whether it's those who stand as MSPs, MPs, or whatever it might be. And there is an organisation that I've alluded to in the past called Christians in Politics, which aims to respect those differences and to transcend them recognising what as Christians, as people whose primary allegiance is to Jesus, how they work that out, how they work out their commitment to serve Jesus through politics in different ways. And whether it's in Westminster or whether it's in Holyrood or whether it's in Wales, in Cardiff, there are groups across the parties who meet together to pray and reflect and seek to influence the committees of which they are part. Because the truth is, God isn't on the side necessarily, in fact, I don't believe God is on the side at all, of any one party. God works within and beyond the party system. And I think that's important to remember. Way back, longer ago than I care to remember, when I was doing O-Level RE, We did a lot of scripture. That was what my teacher was into. And we spent a lot of time exploring the stories of the establishment of the monarchy in Israel. And the people said to God, God, we'd love to have a king. And God said, no, no, you don't. You don't want a king. You've got me. Oh, no, no, no. God, please, please. We want a king. Look, They've got a king and they've got a king. And we feel really left out. And God said, trust me, you don't want a king. But they were adamant. And God relented and let them have a king. And God was certainly directly involved, so we're told, in the the appointing of the first three or so of those kings. But if you read on in the Old Testament, more often than not, you hear that so-and-so was a bad king. And -and so-and-so was a bad king. So-and-so was an okay king. So-and-so was a bad king. It's certainly the case that human societies need structures to organise themselves. And it isn't the case that one form of societal structure is necessarily God-ordained or better than the other. I remember chatting with people who'd lived in Eastern Europe who said, you know, actually there were distinct advantages to communism that I'd never realised until I lived in a Western liberal democracy. Whatever we think about the various ways of governing countries and whatever we believe about who is best to do that, we know that these people are entrusted with huge responsibility. And that has surely been really large in the last year or so as they have sought to respond 
to the global pandemic. Balancing really difficult decisions between health and the economy, which may seem straightforward to us, but actually are not so easy for them. Scripture exhorts us to pray for monarchs and those in authority. For those who like chapter and verse, that's 1 Timothy 2 verse 2. We are exhorted to pray for these people so that we may live peaceful and orderly lives. It doesn't say pray for the ones you like and you agree with, who, who do a good job, who prioritise the things that matter for all of you. And sometimes I wish it did. It just says pray for them. Of course, we should pray for them to exercise the characteristics and insights that are consistent with the values of our faith and are shared across the faiths that are for the good of all humankind and all creation. But also we should pray for them because they're human beings. Because just like us, they are flawed and failing. And just like us, they are created in the image and likeness of God. For us as people who do our best to follow in the way of Jesus, the real challenge is how do we connect our faith with our politics? To think about issues, to think about values, and to pray about the response we're going to make. And that does include how we vote. And it also includes what we can do to help build the society we dream of. And not just for a couple of weeks leading up to an election all the time, to keep on thinking, to keep on reflecting, to keep on praying. You probably know, because I quoted it enough times over the years, one of my favourite verses, if not favourite verse of scripture is in James chapter two, that says, faith without deeds is dead, or faith without deeds is useless. It's not enough just to believe the right things. It's not enough just to think through the right issues and reach the right conclusions. We actually have to turn that into action. And hopefully those of us who have already voted, that's been part of it. And those who will vote, that it will definitely be part of it. But also, as we live beyond the elections, that we continue to think, we continue to pray and we continue to act. We're going to sing a song in a moment and expresses it really well one of this is one of the verses dream your dreams and sing your songs but never be content for thoughts and words don't eat the pain unless there's action all is vain love proves itself in deeds
another of my much-loved hymn writers, Shirley Arena Murray, wrote these words. God of freedom, God of justice, God whose love is strong as death, God who saw the dark of prison, God who knew the price of faith. Touch our world of sad oppression with your spirit's healing breath. And with those thoughts in mind, let us pray. Freedom, justice, love, life. For these we pray, eternal God. Freedom from all that limits or diminishes our own humanity or that of other people. Justice that leads to equity in access to food, shelter, safety, education, health care and liberation for all people. Love that is inspired and enabled by your self-emptying, endless, welcoming love for all creation. Life in abundance of joy and laughter, hope and aspiration, responsibility and mutuality for everyone born. In this week of elections across the British Isles, for the Scottish Government, the Welsh Senate, English councils, mayors and police and crime commissioners, for by-elections, and in the near future for the DUP facing a leadership change, we pray for all whose work it is to ensure that elections are carried out properly freely and fairly, who collect, collate and count votes, who record and report decisions. Thinking of where each one of us is and of the elections in which we, or those we know and love, have voted or will vote, we pray for wisdom, compassion and vision. Noting the part we play as people of faith, prayer and action. And usually it will probably be a full week before we know the results of the elections. And so we pray in the waiting and in the wondering, for those who have stood as candidates and for those who will be chosen and those who will be disappointed. One of the key issues in this nation and across the globe is the injustice of poverty. And this week, BMS draws our attention to a number of nations and projects all seeking to address and alleviate the worst consequences of extreme poverty. Uganda, where groups of farmers work together to generate income to pay for food 
education and medical fees for their own families. India, where the catastrophic effects of the COVID pandemic have and continue to increase severe poverty for so many. Afghanistan, where new forestry projects are emerging, bringing hope. Nepal, where churches are learning how best to share their assets with the communities around them. Chad, where BMS surgeons seek to provide improved healthcare in areas where even basic provision is fragile. Mozambique and Uganda, where BMS workers seek to promote rights education and provide court representation to those in need. So many nations. So many complex issues, it so easily overwhelms us. Thinking of where we are and individuals, people, groups or communities we know who are affected by poverty. We pray for wisdom, compassion and vision. Noting the part that we may play as people of faith, prayer and action. The Baptist Union of Scotland asks us to pray for Rebecca Sharp-Basterkin, one of the chaplains at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital, and for the churches in Dalbeatty, Dalkeith and Dedridge. Whether it is in the context of healthcare or in a local community, we pray that they discern how their faith may best be expressed in daily life, bringing hope, love peace and life to others. We pray for our own church community at Hillhead, delighting in the diversity of who we are and the joy that comes from building relationships with people we would never otherwise meet. Our newly formed finance group, grappling with unfamiliar technology the challenges of bank bureaucracy and the day-to-day -day rhythms of bookkeeping and budget management. May they find fulfilment and a measure of enjoyment as they employ their gifts and energy in this act of service. And from our prayer diary, we name before God, Emma and Drew, Jane, Wendy, Steve, Neil, Anita and Bonnie, Dr Beth, Mary, Janet and Roger, Joyce, Morag, Jen, Andrew, Carl and Aidan, Elaine, Graham, Freya and Sarah, John E. Thank you, God, for these friends, each one unique and precious, each contributing to the richness of our online worship and our offline lives. Help us as we learn with and from each other, as we seek to strengthen and deepen bonds of love and trust, to grow more and more in the image of God, creator, redeemer, 
and sustainer of us all. And as the hymn writer writes, we conclude, making us a captive conscience, quick to hear, to act, to plead. Make us truly live as siblings of whatever race or creed. Teach us to be fully human, open to each other's needs. Amen.
for everyone born a place at the table. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God welcomes us just as we are? For everyone born a place at the table. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God welcomes them just as they are? For everyone born a place at the table, beyond human labelling and societal constructs, beyond reason and defying convention, God welcomes them, God welcomes us, and says to everyone, come and dine. A northern rabbi named Yeshua, believed by some to be a prophet, recognised by some, mostly on the margins, as the anointed one of God. On the last night of his life, though none yet knew it to be so, he gathered his closest followers, those he called his friends, in an upstairs room belonging to an unnamed householder, and they were all together. We think we know them. We've heard their names and their stories so often. We may have labelled them as good or bad. May have glimpsed ourselves within them. Wondered what they talked about, what they ate and drank or how it felt. We've heard the words so many times, especially as they were recorded by a man named Saul or Paul. And so they no longer surprise us or challenge us. Maybe they don't really inspire us. Jesus picked up the flatbread and he blessed it. He broke it and he said to them, see this? It represents my body, which is going to be broken for your sake. What did it mean? What does it mean? Jesus picked up a cup of wine and blessed it and he said to them, and see this. It represents my blood, which is the sign of God's new covenant promise with all creation. It will be poured out and by it, all of your sin will be forgiven. What did that mean? What does it mean? A strangely political act. Something as simple as a meal shared, shaping centuries of religious practice. A strangely powerful act, symbolising a radical cosmic shift, transforming the whole of human, in fact, transforming the whole of creation history. A strangely prophetic act anticipating the eternal banquet in the new or renewed creation 
of God's eternal shalom peace. And so we gather around the country and across the world with bites to eat and sips to drink. We gather in our diversity and our unity to remember Jesus. We gather to be reminded who and what we are, for we are the body of Christ here and now. And so let's pray. God, in whose loving embrace all may find welcome and acceptance, we thank you for these simple gifts and their mind-blowing significance to us. As we share, bless us with renewed hope, faith, love and courage for our ongoing lives. Amen. Jesus said, see this? It represents my body. He broke it. He shared it with his friends. And we are his friends. So let's eat together and remember. And Jesus took a cup of wine. I said, this represents a new covenant, a new promise between God and all creation that is sealed in my blood. Drink it and remember me. So let's drink together. Vulnerable Christ, in death you give us life. Powerful Christ, in resurrection you give us hope. Eternal Christ, in anticipation of things to come, you give us peace. Amen.
And so may we go from here in the gentle power of God's spirit, in the hopeful promises of Christ, and in the incomparable peace of God's love. Amen.